Good morning again, and uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day. Sorry the weather is junk outside, but we can't do anything about that. And uh, moms, you are special. You are very special. And on top of that, even if you aren't maybe yourself a biological mother, you have been motherly at times to people in your life. And so we celebrate that as well. I will say, please uh, don't be so humble when you go to the chocolate after service. Please get a heaping amount of chocolate. And even if you don't like chocolate, I am sure there is someone in your family that may enjoy that. All right, so be blessed by that afterwards. Well, welcome to part five of our series, Move to More, From a Believer to a Disciple. And as Pastor Josh and Pam already mentioned a little bit, next week is going to be a little break, a little pause from the series, and a little bit more of a celebration and a reminder of who we are as the church, a little bit of vision, and it's going to be a great time celebrating Even though last year was a little complicated and things happened, God was still moving and God is still on his throne and God still changed lives. Amen, everyone. And so we're going to celebrate some of that, what's happened over the past year. And for those of you that want to break from this series because you feel like I'm stepping on your toes a little too much, uh, that's next week. So think of this week as like we got five minutes left in the second quarter. All right. And then next week's halftime and then we go and we get right back into the game for a little bit. But this entire series has been on the, on the premise of this thing that God has really laid on my heart is that he's not after shallow Christianity. We're called to be journeying with Jesus every single day, to wake up every single day and look more like Jesus Christ, our Savior. And here's an example we've been talking about is what we really want to do is move, this, move from this side of the line to that side of the line. We want to move from a believer to a disciple of Jesus. We celebrate people who come to faith. They're, they're a believer, right? These people have said yes to Jesus, and we celebrate that. The issue with our faith is we don't stay here. There's a journey and a path for us to go on. And a disciple now is sitting there going, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm more looking like you each and every day. And so we're looking at different aspects that maybe perhaps a lot of us, we've stayed here at a believer, which is the promise of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. We've said what we would say in the church world, the salvation prayer, if you will, that you've asked Jesus into your life and you've put your faith in trust. And we celebrate that. Boy, do we ever celebrate that. We're called to make disciples, but in order to make a disciple, they got to be a believer first, right? And so we celebrate here, but we don't stay here. There's a lot more work for us to do. And we'll get into it this morning. But so far, we've looked at four qualities or characteristics of a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. And this is the fifth quality, but let me do a quick review. Quality number one. A disciple of Jesus is passionately committed to Jesus. Passionately committed to Jesus. We looked at the second week of of disciples are just and generous. This idea is you are blessed to be a blessing, right? I I, I keep coming back to that analogy because I love it and it's so great. You can either be a reservoir or a river. Reservoirs collect things. Rivers flow and give life and meaning to things. We were called to flow and give life and not just hold it to ourselves. Week three, we unpacked a message about the idea of having a heart of a servant and humility and loving God and loving others above you. 
In other words, you were valuing interests of others above your own. And I admitted that was very difficult for me because I like me, right? Some of you like you as well, but it's really hard sometimes to say, you know what? You're more important than me, and I'm here to serve you, whatever it takes. Last week, we talked about something that I'm very passionate about, evangelistically bold. Why am I passionate about? Because there are 35,346 people in our county that will spend eternity away from Jesus Christ. I'm not happy with that. And I know it breaks the heart of God, and it should break our heart as well, that you and I are called to have bold love, bold servanthood, and bold influence on those people that are around us. For us that follow Jesus this morning, there's a journey to take. We never fully arrive. You are always progressing. Here's the term. If you want to know the churchy word and the theology term, there's a path for you to take, and you're looking and getting shaped by Jesus. Here's the term. Ready? So you can look smart in the next theological conversation you have with people. It's called sanctification. Let me hear you say sanctification. It's a fun word, but it just literally means the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. It literally means it's the process of holy living in our lives. That's sanctification. So you can sit there and go, are they sanctified? Mm, I don't know if they're sanctified. See a lot of sin in their life, right? They're looking a little bit more like the world than Jesus in that area. But it's sanctification. It's that process. But there is a road that you and I are to travel on, and that will be the greatest adventure of your life, is following Jesus Christ, having him in your life and say, all right, hey, Spirit, lead me where you want to go. For some of us, that's scary, but I'm going to tell you, it'll be the ride of your life. You'll never look back and sit there and go, I wish I would have never accepted Jesus Christ. You'll never do it. Here's the fifth quality of every disciple of Jesus, of every follower of Jesus, and here it is. Every disciple of Jesus lives on purpose. Lives on purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, find your purpose. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you better get a purpose. Lives on purpose. So what does that mean, Ryan? What what does it mean that a believer, a believer flounders in life, but a disciple knows their purpose? There are three important questions that everyone asks in this world. Whether you are a Christian or a non-believer, there are three important questions that you have to answer and ask yourself. The first is this, why am I alive? Why are you breathing today? The second is this, does my life matter? They did a research on people that are dying as they get older, and the number one thing the elderly wanted to know on their deathbed was, did my life make a difference? Does my life matter here on earth? And the third and final question that we got to wrestle is, is what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Why does God keep putting breath in my lungs every single day? Why, what do I do Monday through Friday? What is my purpose? Am I just sitting and existing or is there something deeper for me to do? And I think there's something dangerous. If you follow Jesus this morning, I think this is extremely dangerous in our walk with him. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were ever given life. It's dangerous because there is something that God has formed in you to do. 
And it's dangerous to never find out what that thing is. Here, I, I told you last week to memorize, to try, if you were here last week, to memorize Jesus' mission statement on his life. Does anyone remember? You don't have to say the verse, but do you remember the reference? Luke, we're getting close. One of us is getting there. Yeah, what's the reference? <laughs> hey, you're the only one I'm talking to. I don't hear anything else. So this is, you're, you're one word further ahead than the rest of us. Luke 19.10, right? Luke 19.10. Ready? If you memorized it, let's say it together. It's not going to be on the screen. We're going to put us to the test, right? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's the mission statement of Jesus. I came to seek and save the lost. This is another verse that we're going to try to apply in our lives and put it in us because this is a beautiful verse of understanding who Jesus is also. John 10.10. Write that down. And we're going to do a little better memorizing this one by next week, all right? This one's fun because we got to know why are we alive. And Jesus mentioned something about him to the rest of the world. John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the what, friends? Full. I have come that they may have life. Yes, Jesus' mission statement. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's incredible, Jesus. But Jesus says, when you encounter me and have a relationship with me, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have life to the full. Life to the full. So if someone asks you, well, what difference does Jesus make? I can have life to the full. I love what the CSB version says. It reads this way. I have come that they may have life and have it in what, friends? Abundance. That's why Jesus came. I want you to experience everything. There, there's a more to our faith than we're experiencing. In fact, the New Living Translation reads it this way. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I know some of you are like, sweet, I'm going to follow Jesus. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. That's not what that rich means. It just means depth and intimacy there. It's just rich and full of meaning. My question is, for followers of Jesus this morning, would you say you're experiencing that life? My heart breaks as Christians in the world aren't experiencing life to the full and life abundance and a rich and satisfying life. My heart breaks. That's why we've titled this series, Move to More. There's more for us. There's more for us. we got to move from a believer to a disciple. I'm going to tell you, you're going to never want to turn back. Your eyes, will ha- you will have new perspective, and you will sit there and go, wow, I will want to reach the world for Jesus because I know what he's done. I know what he's done. You know, so many of us, we don't know our purpose. And Proverbs, the, Solomon writes this, and here's one of the reasons why. I love what the paraphrase says here. If people cannot see what God is doing, they what, friends? They stumble all over themselves. So if you're not seeing clearly, you got scrapes and bruises and fog on your glasses, you can't see what God is doing. You're going to stumble over yourself. You know why we also stumble over ourselves? We're not seeing what God is doing. You know what we're seeing? What we want to do. We become self Uh, We we pursue personal fulfillment and not what God desires. We're pursuing the self-centeredness and the self-desires and not sitting there going, God, it's about you. So you know what we pursue? We pursue money. 
We're, we're looking at things that, oh, I need a better marriage, or I need, I need a marriage, or I need to pursue that, or, you know, I, I, we're pursuing our career and not sitting back and saying, hold on, time out, God, will you reveal to me what you want me to do? So I'm not stumbling over myself. You have to realize if you follow Jesus this morning, your purpose is far greater than personal fulfillment. You start living into what God has designed for you, oh, fulfillment will come. But it's a different perspective. I'm going after the things of God, not the things that I want. I want to be famous. I want this car. I want that job, their money, their whatever. No, time out. I want what God wants. And whether my bank account is padded or not, God is still good, and my joy doesn't come from my bank account. My joy comes through the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that's where it is. All right? And I'm, please hear me in this message. I'm not saying don't pursue things that make you happy. Well, I am. Pursue things of God, but God has given us desires, right, of things. Like, I love coaching. I'm going to pursue coaching. I think God has laid that desire on my heart, and that's okay. But that's not my life's purpose. Okay, so let's go back to uh, Proverbs. If you can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Watch this. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are more what, friends? Blessed. See what happens? You pursue things in your life, you're going to stumble. But pursue the things that God is revealing, the purposes of your life. That's where blessing and fulfillment comes. The most recent survey that came out, I love, I love surveys on Christians in our faith. I just love it because it, it gives you a little fresh perspective a little bit because sometimes you think it's this and then you realize you're like, oh, wow, that stinks. Or, wait, that's awesome. 87% of Christians don't know their purpose in life. 87% have no idea what their God-given purpose is in life. That means, think about this, 13% of the bride, the church is known as the bride of Christ, 13% of the body of Christ knows what they're doing. That's like, take this one, two, three, take about those first four rows over there and call them, they know what they're doing. The rest of us have no idea. There's several reasons why I think sometimes churches can be impotent. I wonder if this is one of them because the body doesn't know what they're doing. I have no idea. So what the problem also is, you know what we think? We think when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we're just saved from sin. That we're just saved for, ah, oh, man, get my ticket out of hell, and I don't, because I don't want to spend torture and all that stuff. I don't want to spend time all eternity there. I want something else. I want maybe whatever heaven looks like. Maybe it's got gold streets. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe John is just writing fictitiously and giving you an analogy of what it could look like. I mean, I want that. I want paradise. I don't want hell. So the problem is we stay over here and say, I'm just saved from sin. We have to understand this. You're not just saved from something, but saved for something. You are saved from your sins, but God has kingdom mission work for you to accomplish and purpose in your life now to go and do. You are saved from sin, but you all are saved for something. And my heart and passion is as disciples of Jesus, we find out what that for something is. That's why we live on mission or on purpose in our lives. 
In fact, Paul, who started churches all over the ancient world, wrote, writes to the church in Rome, found in the letter of uh, Romans chapter 12. I love what Romans chapter 12 says, because this is another reason why we don't know what we're saved for. Here's what Paul says to the church, to Christians. Hey, by the way, church, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Isn't it interesting that he has to tell Christians that? You would think we would already know that. But Paul's like, no, you don't. You oftentimes look like the world. You're copying what the world does. Don't do that. Then Paul says, instead, instead, but do this. But let God, what's this one word? Let him transform you into a new person. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, Paul's saying, don't look like the rest of the world. We're not called to do that. You are called to be different. You got to know that. You are called to look a little weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, look a little weird. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're definitely weird. <laughs> we are called to be, listen to this, friends. We are called to be in the world, not of the world. And Paul's reminding, don't copy. Don't be of the world. Don't do what they do. Let the God of this universe, the creator, transform you, change you from the inside out into a new person. How? How is God going to change you and I? By changing the way you what, friends? We've got to change here. We've got to change between the ears. Once you begin to let God transform you by changing the way you think and releasing the behaviors and customs of the world, watch what's going to happen. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. By the way, God's will for you, it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect, and I want that for you. This word, by the way, is know. Uh, this is a fun word. A lot of times when you see the word know, this was written in Greek, but the Hebrew equivalent is yada. Let me hear you say yada. Okay, yada means not just know here. It's knowing here and deeply here. The word yada is also mentioned in Genesis chapter 4 when Adam and Eve yadad one another and Eve conceived their children. It's that intimate. And you and I are to know God's will that intimately but we'll never know God's will and purpose for our life if we're just looking like the world. we got to let God transform us right here. Change the way you and I think. And you got to know something. Your mom and dad may never have planned you. You weren't in their schedule and in their plan, but God knew you were coming. You were created on purpose for a purpose. you got to know that. There are no accidents in this world. And I'm so sorry if any single one of you have ever heard that you were an accident. You're not. Unplanned, maybe, but God has plans. God has plans. This past week I heard of a first grader boy saying that his life doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. I don't know what that child hears at home. But I know this, he is a lovingly heavenly father that knit that little boy together in his mother's womb that he is, he is created on purpose for a purpose. 
And God has a purpose, even though his parents may not think, or he may not think, or he hears all this stuff, he has a purpose. And it is a joy to help people find their purpose in their creator. And did you know you have two purposes in your life? For some of us, we don't. This is the new teaching. Here we go. Can I have the first box? You have two purposes in life. Number one, you have a primary purpose. A primary purpose. If you follow Jesus this morning, we all have this primary purpose. And it's all the same. No matter who you are, if you follow Jesus, you and I have a primary purpose on planet Earth. Again, this will never change in your life as long as you follow Jesus. We all are on the same boat on this if you follow him this morning. You have a primary purpose. Found in Matthew chapter 28, known as the Great Commission, that we've looked every single week at. Begins this way. Therefore, go and make what, friends? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. Not just the parts you like in God's word, the whole shebang, everything that I've commanded you, everything. You and I have a very primary purpose that will never change. Our primary purpose is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We are to replicate ourselves to other people. But you have to now ask the question, is my life worth replicating? Ooh, that's heavy. Is the way that I treat my spouse and my kids worth replicating? Is the way that I handle authority over me, governmental officials, my boss, our pastor, is the way I handle that authority, is that worth replicating? Are the words that I speak to people, even when I'm angry, are they worth replicating? That's why there's a journey for us to go, to look like Jesus. This is also why your faith was never meant to be only yours. Because you're God's plan A. There is no plan B. God says, hey, you got a mission, primary purpose, go make disciples. Ryan, how do we do that? Like, I, I'm, now you're talking discipleship and being a disciple maker. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a guy that wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning, goes to work, and comes home. How do I do this? Here's my encouragement. Ready? You need to get into relationships. You can't disciple when you're not in relationships. Now, you are staring at a guy that is an introvert on stage. I, I, I consider myself to be an ambivert. I'm technically, I rejuvenate my, um, my personality. I rejuvenate just energy by getting away from people so I can pour out to people. Even though you guys give me energy, I will crash after services. And I will be like, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> I love you all, though. I don't even want to talk to my family right now. But I, that's how I do it. Introverts, I understand you because I am one. Never use introvertedness as a reason not to be in relationships with others. It doesn't work. God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, his presence with us are always in community together. You were meant for community. You were. 
And so how do you make disciples? Begin in community. Teach them the ways of Jesus. Start in your home. Start in your home. What does it look like? Start at your, start at your job. Ryan, I can't talk about Jesus at my job. Sure, but at the water cooler, I, I don't know. Someone comes up to the water cooler, start praying out loud. I dare you to. Either they're going to be like, you are the crazy. I, I knew you were crazy already. You proved it. Or they're going to say, what? What are you doing? Ah, you opened the door. See how you opened the door? And I'm going to walk through. Hey, man, I just, I'm just praying anything I can pray for you. And it just begins small. Primary purpose. Every follower of Jesus has it. Now you have a second. Ooh, nice throw. You have a secondary purpose. This is probably the purpose you and I are all familiar with. Is our secondary purpose. Our secondary purpose looks all different here this morning. Your secondary purpose for some of you is you are a teacher. You're an administrator in our schools. That's your vocation. For others of you, you are healthcare professionals. That is your secondary purpose. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you're a, right now where you are, you're a K through college student right now. And that's where God has you right now because that's just your journey. That's your secondary purpose. Or maybe you're a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad. Whatever it is, that's our secondary purpose. In other words, to define your secondary purpose, it's being Jesus, being who, friends? Jesus, not being you. Remember, don't be you, be Jesus. Because you's got a little bit of issues, <laughs> a little bit of sin and brokenness. We need to be Jesus. It's being Jesus with your passions, your skills and abilities, wherever God has placed you. So if God's got you in the schools, go be Jesus to those kids. He's wired you with passion, skills, and abilities and has placed you there. If it means I'm working the factory, by golly, work the factory to bring glory and honor to God. Work like Jesus would. Interact with people with the idea in the lens of making disciples. But understand this. Don't complain where you're at. Start asking God, how can I be Jesus where I'm at? And it may be tough for a season, but you got to sit back and say, okay, God, is there a reason that my secondary purpose is being played out in, the, in this workplace right now? Is it? And here's what we got to get. Your primary purpose gives meaning to your secondary purpose. If you follow Jesus this morning. Your primary purpose, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, that rides everything and dictates everything here. It gives us new lenses. Now you know I'm not just going to the factory, I've got a mission at the factory. I'm not just going into the classroom, I have a mission in the classroom. I'm not just going to the business I own or helping with uh, customers who come in. I don't just view them as cha-ching, cha-ching, bank account getting padded, I love it. But I view them as, how can I help this person experience and encounter Jesus Christ? This gives meaning to here. Now, there's three enemies of this. Because for some of us, this is like brand new teaching. You're like, I've never heard of this before. That's because there's enemies to this. Your first enemy is confusion. You know why it's confusion? Here's why it's confusion. We didn't even know this existed, and what do we pursue? We pursue this. This is what we after. We put this as the highest priority 
of my purpose. And you know why there's confusion in the world today about this? What do we normally say when we introduce ourselves and, uh, and have a conversation with someone you never met? You may say, what do you do for a living? We have elevated our secondary purpose in our faith. This is awesome, and I'm not negating this. This is incredible. But our primary purpose, we've confused it and made this our primary purpose. 